Christmas is just around the corner and it's basically my favorite time of year. I've made a Christmas EP, which I think you'll love. Link is in the show notes. Should old acquaintance be forgot and never brought to mind? Should old acquaintance be forgot and no Welcome to Shotgun Story, the podcast that has conversations with indie creators about music, meaning, and the point of it all, so that you may be inspired by the journeys of other artists who are doing it for themselves, and maybe gain a little more understanding as to why it matters quite so much that you keep creating. Hi and welcome to Shock and Story. We're talking to Rambling Jay Burns today. Welcome, Jay. Hey, thank you. Nice to be here. First time out in the evening for a while, actually, since this pandemic. So it's it's really it was a big moment. <laughs> it came out. Oh, I'm glad you came out for us. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I want to kick off with I read your biographies. Thank you for sending them. <laughs> um, you were born in Benoni. Yeah. And it was a great story that you told after that in the email. And I would love you to tell that story. And it, it leads in from my first question, which is why music? What sparked your love of music? What drew you here? Um, I remember kind of growing up and listening to Sparky and the Magic Train. It was like a vinyl that we had. And on the other side, I think, was Sparky and the Magic Piano. So I think... That's why I call a lot of people Sparky these days. <laughs> anyway, at the bottom of the garden, uh, we were next to a uh, railway track. And so my vision, and if it's true or not, you know how you think ah, back to then, was we grew up next to the railway tracks and I was listening to Sparky. And by the time that was before three, you know, three, three years old or so, and then we moved to the, the big city of Johannesburg. My parents made the move. We used to spend a lot of time, I mean, weekends, were just hanging out at the house, <laughs> listening to music that my father had collected, and later on my brothers and sisters uh, had an older brother and a older sister, and they and they collected. There was always like a lot of uh, music around the house, and uh, yeah, we just listened to everything. I mean, there was a very eclectic mix mm. of music being played, you know. And my mother was in love with Julio Iglesias, mm. uh, so, so, <laughs> so you know. And then there was Demi Rousseau. You know, did you ever yeah, forever yeah. and ever be like this? No. Yeah, he's, he's an ama- he had this amazing kind of high voice and uh, Greek superstar, you know. And he, and then there was the usual stuff, the Beatles and all that. So, yeah, I grew up around music. My dad played piano really well. And when he was young, he, he was in the, the police force. He kind of had a choice to go to the army or the police, whatever. Mm. He went to the police and then he used to play at the, in the hall, the police hall down in Port Edward on holidays because the police have a kind of a police uh, vacation spot down there. Yeah. <laughs> so he's going to play in the hall. I can, in my head, it's just like a crazy rag, dang, dang, but it yeah. probably wasn't exactly like that, you know, <laughs> but he would play. And then my sister was, did really, you know, she went up to kind of what, grade 12 and piano and they heard all the Richard Clayderman and all these kind of things being played around the house. Saw a guitar that was hanging out in a cupboard. Mm. When I was about thirteen, and I, I wanted to learn to play it, and my and my mother kind of gave me a bit of a test and said, "Well, if you know, if you can organize to get it strung, then I'll take you for lessons." And thinking like, you know, it's gonna <laughs> it'll be a bit of a hoop that I, I'm not gonna make, but I I got, I got it strung, and then went for lessons. So she took me for lessons. She fulfilled that side of the deal. And after three months, I said, "Oh, my fingers are sore. I don't want to play anymore." And she said, "No, no, it doesn't work like that." <laughs> Thank goodness. <laughs> she said. Every, if you start something, you got to do it for at least a year. And, you know, oh, mom, you know, wise lady. And uh, maybe she regretted it later on. <laughs> 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 I don't think so. But I mean, uh, so yeah, then it just went for nothing to act, just kind of learning how to strum, play songs, you know. Yeah. When by the time I got to about 15, you know, I was just lost in music. Kind of, I used to be. You know, a sporty guy, like running around, like uh, very competitive. And then I found another kind of another world that uh, wasn't wasn't didn't seem so competitive. <laughs> that I kind of Little disappeared. Did into, you know. And, you know, yeah. And you, the teenager, it was, it was great because you know you find those voices or those people 
those, those kind of artists that you feel kindred spirit with or somehow understand you. Mm. Yeah, so then I, then I try to convince everybody and you around me uh, to also learn an instrument. A friend of mine, Mike, I just, come on, you got to buy that drum kit because he's always going to, you know, I want to be a drummer. Come on, just buy the drum kit. <laughs> do it. He finally got the drum kit. <laughs> then we would go and you'd, you know, at that stage, uh, you have to wait for your parents to leave the house. <laughs> you know, like, where you <laughs> they have to, and then you quickly clear out a space in the garage or in the living room or somewhere in the house, you know, set up <laughs> everything, play. And then they come back and, the, and the, you know, the music sounds okay, but who the hell's singing? Else, or something, <laughs> something to this. <laughs> On purpose teasing you. Yeah. yeah. I, who knows? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get through this, Dad. Just leave me know. Um, uh, so it was, yeah. Was, I guess this is a story that's um, quite a familiar story to live. But yeah, it was just finding some some people to play with once mm. once you you were there. And then uh, I just wanted to learn more and more. And, and I finally got a teacher who was, he was like a metalhead. His name was Charles, I think. Yeah, it was Charles, actually. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he played in a band called Odyssey. And it was like, to me, it was like, that was the coolest thing. Because I'd been learning kind of, I don't know, Neil Diamond or kind of just strum along kind of animals or something, you know, like those kind of standard strum along songs. And this guy came in and he was like, this is an electric guitar. <laughs> and I was like, whoa. <laughs> and this is like, this is this technique and this and this. And then I might like, you know, I was like, wow, this is great. Because I was, I went into the whole heavy rock sound. I was just big into Van Halen at that stage. Like, and I was into the early stuff, you know, I wasn't into the, the, the popular stuff. You yeah. know? <laughs> <laughs> Not that they were ever unpopular, but I mean, that kind of thing. And he, he could do those techniques. So, you know, all this kind of, he said to me one, one day, I went for less and he said, oh, my band's playing tonight, you know, you should pull in if you can. I'm, I'm like 15. Like, <laughs> yeah, sure, I'll just pull in, yeah, cool. So, so, where, where, so where are you playing? I said, Play a club called um, what is it called again? Later we came. Was the glass onion? It was, it was that in town, like near the doors, and it was like that kind of back then. I can't even remember the name, but he said it's playing, and I had to convince my my mother to let my brother take me there. And we went into this club, and I was like, "What?" And and you go down these stairs, and at the bottom is this picture of this demon. We were both like, whoa, this is great. This is great. And we went in and they were, they were playing and people were diving everywhere. It was like full on, like, you know, it feels like a movie in my head, like one of those movie experiences, but it was like that Alcatraz, that was the club. Yes. So this first club I went to and it was later on, Alcatraz is this kind of, it's quite a infamous place. Mm. But I, I got to watch Charles playing and he was shredding and the guitar was amazing. And I was like, I don't know, bands, I want to, I want to be in a band. <laughs> this is cool. And so after that, it's just to carrying on, carrying on, trying to find people to play. <laughs> <laughs> wow, dang. <laughs> again and again. Um, yeah, so I guess from there, it's just kind of, you know, <laughs> it's been a bit of a journey, yeah, sure. Absolutely. <laughs> I wonder, I'd really actually like to hear the journey. The whole <laughs> the journey. <laughs> it, it's a... Uh, there was there was a place that was actually in we used to go to called Tattoos. It was in in, in Ramberg, and it also had like all these kind of. At the time, it, it felt like every band was like a metal band. I don't yeah. know why it was like that's what. And you had to have long hair, which obviously, <laughs> I you know I'm not <laughs> like I don't have the longest hair, and I thought like if you want to be in a band, you got to have long hair. So <laughs> <laughs> that must have been disappointing. Yeah, it was obviously <laughs> an era where musicianship was secondary to <laughs> looking good or something, but it's still like. You know, but yeah, we used to go there all the time when you were 17 or whatever, and you'd like go in there and, and watch these bands. And, that, and and there used to be a lot of bands that did, they do like a lot of covers. Original bands weren't really, they'd do one or two originals, but it was mostly covers. Even yeah. like, you know, and so that's changed, which is great. And yeah, I was just following around, finding new places to watch bands. You were obviously, you were very involved and in, still are in the punk scene with yeah. Fuzzy. Yes, yeah, on the Fuzz. Yeah, <laughs> and um, Rambling Bones has like what a would you call it a folk punk sound? <laughs> I don't know. We've, we've uh, I think it's yeah, definitely it's. Uh, I mean, folk as far as those acoustic guitars and and that kind of it is folky, definitely. Mm. The punk thing comes through definitely, and then there's some other stuff that's coming in there. It's kind of you know a real kind of just let it 
their little hangout, you know, where the, it's actually therapy. That's what it is. It's therapy. <laughs> and that is what is so wonderful. It's so exciting. And do you find the therapy when you're doing it yourself as well as when you're jamming with people? You know, when you're around people, you get motivated. Mm-hmm. So like, I th- always think like being a, like a solo artist and like practicing a gig for a gig is it's just such a strange, I've tried a few times. So, so it's really, not, I'm not used to that at all. Like, you know, cause I just normally used to having a bit of a joke mm. thing, you know? So, <laughs> so you need to get, that's when I think you get like, you get like a, what a posse or entourage, you know, just like people hang out in the room with you while you're practicing. <laughs> hey, what, what's happening? Uh, you know, but yeah, I mean, Ramin Bones came after Fuzzy Gish and uh, Fuzzy Gish was kind of like, the, when we used to go watch all these metal bands and stuff, but they were like an, an older generation. Uh, mm-hmm. They were like, a, next thing, you know, you're looking for your own kind of sound that works with you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there was, at that stage, like, it was like about 93 or something like this when I, it was the Rainbow Nation, 94, 95. There was a lot of rock and pop bands started coming out and very original or playing original music. Uh, the Sugar Drive and the Springbok New Girls and Lithium and Amersham and it was, I was trying to think of some others. There was Dorp and there was Boo. There was a very creative time. Like, uh, But they were also seemed to be like a little bit older than us mm. and they were getting all the gigs anyway. Like, you know, <laughs> We were never going to get, like, maybe get, like, a little support slot for something. And one of the scariest experiences I had was actually getting invited to play with, with Fuzzy Gish. We went to play at Opie Kopi mm. in, like, 98. They said, yeah, we were, like, this new up-and-coming band. And we were like, wow, we got invited to this festival. This is, you know, we've never played on a big stage. And as soon as you're on a big stage, you realize, like, you, you, your buddies are far away. Yeah. And you got to work with monitors and like real, you know, like you're not going to, it was, so that was like, okay. And, and then we found out where we were playing. We were playing off the Vornaboom who at that stage were like this big kind of thing on, on that circuit. And Danny, the drummer, he lit his kit after the gig, you know, and the whole stage was on fire and it was like, crowd was going nuts. And I was like, and now we're going to play. It's like, yeah. un- unknown. <laughs> it was like, okay, we can. Let's get through this. <laughs> you have to do it. <laughs> oh. We did it. We managed to get through. I don't know what it sounded like, but it, it was such a like a you know, trial by fire. It was literally. <laughs> it was definitely. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and yeah, we're still. I mean, we still used to go. Like, so that then that that was a different kind of lineup. And then uh, some people left and, and stuff. And then we've been watching bands like um, with uh, like a trumpet or. Mm. saxophone and we're like that is a party sound <laughs> we want that you know it. Yeah, we find a guy who could play hawaii 5 on the trumpet and we were made <laughs> so that's cool <laughs> i started oh. practicing at mega music warehouse there and then yeah as he came around and and then getting introduced to punk i mean i kind of known about punk but then really getting into it and realizing oh wow this this is like the the content just spoke to me so like, it was cool and then the, the songs are very pop structure yeah and i come from this you know i grew up listening to duran duran and billy idol and all that stuff so pop made sense to me the structure of it but then it had the guitars I was like, oh, cool. this is, <laughs> and then we're doing the trumpet i was like the win-win so yeah it, and it was a, a cool yeah it would just it just made sense so now for someone who's not familiar with your music or your career, <laughs> top five highlights. And I mean, it doesn't have to be specifically five, but highlights of your career. And it can be across the board, J-Bones, mm. Rambling Bones, Fuzzy Gish. <laughs> Do you want to know a bit about Fuzzy Gish, I guess? Well, on a personal level, I guess, recording a first album and going down to Durban and playing and realizing there's a scene in, a, you know, there's people not only in your town and there's another city mm-hmm. and there's and then connecting with that. That was that was great, you know, just to be able to have something that you've recorded and done properly and put out and this is there. Yeah. You know, hey, hey, son, come over here. Let me show you what your pops did kind of thing like once in a, and luckily there were more albums after that and, and it grew. There's, a, there's quite a few, but I remember opening for like the Violin Femmes at the Dome and that was like, Wow. Wow. I, my, my guitar cable wasn't long enough for the stage. I was, it was like totally taut. I was there, but I had to, like, I was basically, if I st- moved forward a little bit, it was going to come out the, the, so I was just like, stay. but it was, it was a cool, I mean, that was, you just kind of get through those things in a, 
you just go for it and you don't even know what happens in the end and you just I mean I don't even know what the sound is like in the dome half the time I mean there's this natural kind of sound sound there. Yeah. <laughs> and, and uh but it was it was that was going to Europe with the band was yeah we went to Europe twice went to Australia once and did tours that's that's books right there mm. books because you know what we did <laughs> is we this agent found us and got hold of us and then he booked a seven-week tour. Now, if you've never been touring with a band, like seven weeks is actually a hell of a long time uh-huh. to hang out with people that you normally hang out with maybe twice a week for an hour or two. <laughs> Put it nicely. It was quite a – it was like suddenly, okay, yeah, touring is a, is a whole, whole other, you know. And my advice would be to – to, I mean, obviously people have to be of a certain level, but always go with the person that you get along with. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, they should rather, in the long run, <laughs> you have to deal with each other and, you know, there could be all kinds of stuff down the road. Like the plane becomes like, yeah, we can play, yeah. but that guy is, <laughs> 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 I can't deal with this person. So yeah, that's, I mean, that's a little bit of advice there. But from my, that's, that's purely because we, you know, we went, we bit off more than we could chew on that one. It was, it was a crazy tour and it was fun and we learned a lot, but we went back again, which is, so it was better the second time. Yeah. <laughs> Much had more experience touring yeah, yeah. with a band, yeah. <laughs> but actually, that's, I suppose that's one of the advantages. You speak of the disadvantages of playing solo is that rehearsing. I hate rehearsing because I hate rehearsing. Yeah, I mean. It's much more fun with you, the band. Do you, how do you rehearse if you? If I'm doing it by myself? Yeah. Well, that's the thing. I'm like. I will. I make myself, <laughs> I know. I make um, myself go into a room by myself mm-hmm. and go over the songs yeah, and yeah, yeah. it's so boring well this is what load shedding has taught me is load shedding is a great time to practice your, your stuff because you put a candle on you just stare at it and you, you know it's like kind of oh. i did that the other day in this dark room and then i opened the door afterwards and all the lights were on and everything nobody really told me but it was because <laughs> to focus on on plane yeah like to go into that room yeah yeah I'm, by yourself i'm going to go and <laughs> do those songs that i know Cool. Yeah. And so I avoid rehearsing, to be honest. I avoid rehearsing until I've got a gig coming <laughs> up like, <laughs> and then the night before. Pan- panic rehearsal. That's exactly. It's it's much more exciting than when. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I don't have to like, it's kind of like watching those bands where you think like something's going to just like happen at any moment, like what, something's just going to go wrong, but they manage to just keep it going and going. And you're like, this is just adds to the excitement of this. It's kind of like, <laughs> <laughs> How's this band doing this? You know, like <laughs> it doesn't look like this should be happening. Like this dude, like this, but they they keep on just going forward. You know, so so you get to the end of the show, even the bad shows, mm. it ends at some point. Yeah. Even if your guitar cable is too short, <laughs> I'm going to come back to that in a moment. But I just wanted to, to finish that other point about the touring. Is that's one of the nice things about touring alone? There's no band politics. Yeah, yeah. on the road. But let me talk about that for a second. Your cable at the Violin <laughs> Show, was it actually your cable or was it their cable that they supplied? Well, I'd, I'd like to think that, you know, that the sound, I mean, there must have been multiple sound guys there and, and one of them could have at least come up and said, hey, dude, you need a longer cable. Yes. You could have seen this like <laughs> newbie band kind of like just like stressing about, you know, just trying to like, oh my God, this is a lot of people here, you know. <laughs> But um, <laughs> but that didn't, didn't like, that didn't happen. I'd like to know who that sound guy was, <laughs> and find out if they did it on purpose. Oh, you know, they, they uh, who knows? Uh, it <laughs> <laughs> sure, they didn't. No, no. I think they maybe they had other things on their mind, and that's I'm going to go with that. You know, they were like, <laughs> or they were. You know, they were. To be honest, it was it was it was quite a long time ago. I remember. It, uh, I don't actually know the year. <laughs> <laughs> but it was BC, okay? That's what I'd say. Eh? Not before cell phone, but before Corona, okay? <laughs> oh, that's nice, actually. That's what I'm moving it on, eh? Oh. You still used to have that standing joke, and hey, man, we've been around since <laughs> before BC, you know, and oh, before cell phone. It'd be like, okay, sorry. But <laughs> be, that'd be labeled as some kind of dad joke now. Like, oh, God. Yes, but uh, yeah, exactly. It's and, still a good joke, though. <laughs> thank you very much. <laughs> And moving on from there. Yeah, moving on from there. Okay. <laughs> then, I'm gonna... and then, then we da- like dabbled with um, 
promoting bands, uh, like bringing bands over from overseas, which was something that was so we, like in, you know the bands that we wanted to play with weren't really coming specifically in the punk kind of world. Mm. You know, uh, managed to start a, a punk safari and bought over a bunch of it, lag wagon, mad caddies, no effects, exploited. And then it was like, okay, that's enough of that. Cool. Because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's a stress game. No, no, no. I can just imagine. And then trying to get people, I mean, we battled to get people to our own shows. Imagine. No, it oh. was, it's amazing. It was amazing and made, made amazing people. And it was, but, whoa, you know, you're just on the other edge, like running around looking after bands. Is, I, I'm in the band, man. Like, what? what? <laughs> <laughs> but it was it's in terms of like just uplifting your game, seeing how they just how they run things. Because there's so many different aspects to it, like uh, the way your guitar cable runs to the amp. <laughs> like yeah. having a strap put down, having a longer cable, asking for a longer cable. Mm-hmm. Just like all these like little things that add up over time and a million little things. But when you're doing a show and it's high speed, mm. you don't have time to tune your guitar for hours you don't have time to find a set list so we just like put the set list down with tape put like <laughs> multiple ones on the roof like you know just like we could look anywhere and it'd be a set like okay we know what song is coming next it was cool because you used to go into the next song straight away because we always find like talking between songs either don't say anything because most of the time when we talked it was just like i don't know it just felt <laughs> awkward <laughs> Like people actually aren't there to listen to you speak. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I appreciate that when I went to watch Pixies, a lot of people didn't, that they didn't say hi or didn't say anything. I was like, finally a band that knows their place. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I have been told that before when, when I've been speaking and somebody shouted from the audience saying, we didn't come to hear you speak. <laughs> no, no. That's, that's rough. Eh? Yeah, yeah. Yes. <laughs> Normally that's what I shout at Malcolm because that's what's cool about being a band. You can insult the other guys in the band. He'll be talking and then I could say something. We'd have this thing like he'd go like, Malcolm is a bass player for Fuzzy Gish, okay, Rockwell. And he'd always like, some of the stories he starts telling, I'd be like, dude, nobody wants to hear that. And then we just like bang into the, the song. So we kind of like have this understanding. And you know, in the beginning maybe it was, but, but now we just kind of go with it. No, it's funny. And so, so, so instead of somebody from the audience telling you to shut up, I, Somebody in your band could tell you to shout. No, of course they can, because they're like family. They're loud. And that just is better, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, what you were saying about telling the sound guy oh, yeah, that yes, your so cable is too... Yeah, that was bringing over these bands and like, yeah, hanging out with some bands that do a lot of touring and uh, there would always be that question of how many people are in the band for and then how big is the crew? Well... We got a one. We can bring one or two. We want to bring two, and you say like, "So who's the crew?" Well, the merch guy definitely. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And then we'll bring a sound guy, and then they'd bring a tech guy who would kind of run around and do like. There was a guy called Tech Nine who came with the Mad Caddies. He set up the whole stage for them, like he did. Tested the trumpet, did the bass, went. So I was like, "We need a Tech Nine, damn it!" But I mean, I think they. It's you know that so that was cool. And then just still, we're still talking of doing another album, you know. <laughs> Good. Oh, that is very Which exciting. Which is great. This is yes. great. Yeah, so, so I did Fuzzy Gish for a long time and obviously there was no real room for acoustic guitar and, and kind of that. Yeah. But all the songs were written kind of originally on acoustic guitars anyway. You know, a song being a song, it can translate into many genres or whatever you want to call it. So... Yeah, I just wanted to do something after all these after all these years with Fuzzy Gish. Like, I wanted to do a solo thing, on, you know, and I thought it would be easy. <laughs> <laughs> and I realized that I really love distortion and I love having other drums and stuff because when you're playing an acoustic guitar on your own, mm. it's very naked and very revealing. Yeah. So, yeah, and then you're going like, ah, gotta, I'm not jumping around and this is a very different this is very different. So, yeah, scary, but but really good for me. And how do you find that that experience of just playing? It's great because because yeah. you, you know you come to rely on on a certain feedback from the audience, but you shouldn't really. You know, you should just. I mean, obviously, you, it's great. It's amazing when people are jumping around, yelling, and it's the energy level is. It's a symbiotic thing. Like you know, you just go around, and it, it's. Once you're going, it's the best. Yeah, really. <laughs> but then to play to potentially uh, audience that's sitting down, maybe 
having a drink, maybe having it like, you know, you know, some, it's like, wow, this is a soul searcher. Like, but it's really good for you. Yeah. I think it, it was a great thing for just songwriting, just for performing, go back to basics in a way and kind of where you started all those years ago with your mom waiting outside as you did your guitar lessons, <laughs> learning whatever covers that you were, you were, you know, sending your way. Yeah. As Rambling Bones, um, didn't you tour with Missy Higgins? No, no. Oh, I no. thought it was Missy Higgins. We can say it, but we can go with that one if you want. No, no, no. I'm, I'm absolutely obsessed <laughs> with it at the that moment. Would be, that would be good. I went, I went in about 2010, got invited to go to South by Southwest. So and that was like, oh, this is going to be cool, you know. Wow. So, uh, so I went to the Canadian Music Festival first to in Toronto, which was, they got these like, Canadian, it's like a, it's not even a festival, it's called, it's a Canadian musical it's a conference. It's like, you know, but they basically have showcase music in the evening. Yeah. And then they have these music talks, you know, it was like this, wow, we, you know, you can go like listen to Dave Stewart from the Rhythmics talking about something. So, yeah. okay, I'll go along to that. Let's, let's hear what's happening there. Maybe, oh, well, you know, we, we wrote that song. We only have, you know, and this, it was great. Uh, I remember going to watch, Something Jackson, I'm trying to say Percy Jackson, but I'm not sure if it was. But yeah. he basically, what he does is he helps bands with their live performance. He says, you know, he's like, a lot of a lot of guys got great songs, man, but they just don't know how to perform them. So, and it was like this packed auditorium. Amazing. And, and I was like, wow, okay, what's going to happen here, you know? So he called a band up, a local band. He said, man, I'd like to thank these good sports for coming on up. And they came up and they, he says, they got this one song I'm going to play for you now. And I mean young guys in front of this whole kind of music industry-ish kind of crowd mm. of, of people that are analyzing everything. You know? <laughs> they play their song and it's a, you know, it's a cool song. And then he goes, yeah, that's cool. But now we're going to look at the stage performance. And he like, he went through the whole thing. He says like, that guitar riff's really cool, you know? So why don't you just dabble with it for a little bit and then play it again? It doesn't have to be exactly like the song, you know? <laughs> and he, he kind of opened up the song and then he gave everybody like not like choreographed, but just a little bit of, and came back and, you know, we used a bunch of that stuff. Like we'd, cool, let's like change this. Let's put this in there. Let's extend this part of a song. Oh, and it, it, it was Yeah, it was, it was, it was, that was so Canadian music week or festival thing. Yeah. And then from there going down to South, what's it? South, South, South Austin, Texas, oh. where everything is, yeah. Make everything weird. That's what their motto is. Because I think, Austin is where everybody who's a little bit arty goes if, you know, they're living in Texas. Mm. <laughs> and that was amazing. Just seen a lot of different art, you know, an artist. So, I mean, I have a question about that, actually. As an artist, an indie artist myself, right, who it's, it's been on my bucket list, both of those things, actually, the Canadian Music Week the, and the South by Southwest. Yeah. Do you feel like it had an impact on your career afterwards? I found that like South by Southwest was more of a showcase and more of a handshake, like kind of a place where you show off things that you've done. It's not where you're going to necessarily pick up deals or suddenly, you know, there was this weird thing I did. It was called like, it was a speed dating, but with where artists meet agents. And it was just very, just the whole thing was like, this is not, but Generally, it was it was felt like it was more like label showcasing stuff. So I think it mm. had an impact on my creativity and mm. on my ideas. But as far as like uh, my career, no, like nothing. Well, I say that, but uh, <laughs> there was some some interesting things happened. <laughs> <laughs> so I nearly missed the flight. I didn't know because U.S. airports are thorough. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I was a little bit late to the airport. I nearly missed this flight, but uh, I didn't. And, but as I was getting on this, I said, please, can you let me go on the flight? And it was like, I said, okay, you know, you go on the flight, um, you know, I'll just hang out. And and the, they said to me, the airport personnel said mm. to me, I oh, don't worry, the next flight's even in an hour, it'd be fine and, you know, we'll get you a cool seat. So I, was, I thought, this is this is fine. Mm. <laughs> like three, four hours later, still <laughs> hanging out at the airport. <laughs> Start speaking to people because, you know, like, are you also waiting for this flight? Yeah, I'm waiting for this flight. And and it's kind of like one of those things where you know like something bad happens, but a good thing kind of comes out of it. Because I, yes. I met um, 
this this guy he was a had an artist called Gemma Ray who was she's got she's got a cool sound it's like just this her and her own like doing that kind of a loop thing but like mm. in a kind of a Quentin Tarantino way mm. and then he ran a label called Gold Rat I want to say but it's something like that <laughs> and then I got and then I spoke to this other random guy who I was like talking to and he ended up being he's the financial manager of like Nickelback. So I was like, I was like, and what's that like? He's like, well, I don't, I just, I just do the books. I don't really watch the band. And so I was like, this is, I mean, this is like, you know, like, you can, you can do that, you know, like being, yeah, but it was just so like, you know, it was interesting. And then, and, and brought Gemma Ray out to South Africa. Andy and Gemma came over. Andy was the manager and mm-hmm. it was, yeah, it was a cool experience. So, so uh, yeah, whether it extended, it just other things, other doors opened like, you know how things are, there's no real definitive like now you've now you're there it's yes. just it's a journey it's cruising yeah. <laughs> <laughs> rambling along <laughs> and i suppose that's been an interesting thing for me as an artist to have to have felt that to feel there are many moments that you feel like this is it <laughs> yeah. i mean when you get invited to play with copy you think uh, this yeah. is it and you play obi copy and then about an, about, everything yeah. just continues and 15 minutes later you're like okay but the next thing you know yeah. <laughs> or exactly. whatever yeah yeah. yeah yeah so that's why it's really important to just enjoy those moments because like i think how many gigs you have an awesome gig and then people chase the chase chasing that high of being on the stage or whatever and <laughs> then, you know and you see them in the next day and they're totally like they're just destroyed from a big night out, but they basically, I mean, I think the, when you're playing and the, the crowd's there, it's, it's just such a cool place to be for everybody. Mm. So, yeah. And, but then being sh- totally shattered afterwards, like just like lying there, like, <sighs> <laughs> trying to get your brain. like everything's wet, soaked. It's great. Like, a, so, I mean, it was the, there's a real physical aspect to it. That on stage thing, it, that's, it's just <laughs> so wonderful. It's a, it's a, it's a wild ride, yeah, and it can go anywhere, which is great as well. And it has been gone anywhere, <laughs> gone everywhere. So I used to have a lot of, I remember having a lot of effects pedals at one stage and then kind of realizing I didn't need all these things. Yeah. Kind of shipping down to what I really needed because the more things you have, the more things can go wrong. Mm. <laughs> oh, I want to say that actually there's a great book called The Inner Game of Music and they've got a formula that they use and they say your performance is equal to your potential minus any interference. And, and that interference could be coming from you or from outside. Exactly. It can be how rehearsed you are or unrehearsed as the case oh, yeah. may be. It can be uh, any self-doubt, a new song. I think in order to be creative and stuff, you mustn't be too self-aware and you mustn't have self-doubt. So it's like a lot of like... It's very stressful. It's, uh, it's you know, you mustn't overanalyze things, but you mustn't just charge in. It's like, <laughs> it's like what the hell? <laughs> and, I, you know, and, and you go be... Careful with what you say, you know, just very sensitive out there. That's why I'm doing a lot of instrumental stuff at the moment. (laughs) (laughs) In the age of cancel culture, yes. Exactly, you know, you may understand it and you may not intend to say anything, but you might just say something. (laughs) You just got to, yeah, it's, um, I think that's just like overthinking things. I think that can be like a real. The death of an artist. It's going to be bad, (laughs) exactly. Absolutely. But so, in the age of conceptual art, don't overthink things. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about creation, actually, uh, for a little bit here. Creation. Mm. Okay. So you're, you're writing a song. Mm. What, what starts you writing that song? There can be two ways to do it. Like Sometimes I think just a phrase or a word or something is great. So gray, like gray soup. And I remember a gray soup. This, I could, you know, I'm a big fan of Oliver the musical. <laughs> Believe it or not, I'm not a big fan of musicals, but Oliver. And uh, for some reason, gray soup just like was like this Dickensian kind of Oliver moment. Like, please, sir, can I have some more? Mm-hmm. And I thought, cool, let's write a song called Gray Soup, and then kind of working from that way. So saying because you start to think of of a thing like something like I wanted to have a song called you know whatever. You can come up with a word like you hear a phrase. Mm-hmm. Somebody says something, <laughs> but you, you hear so many of them, you know, and like most of the time it's when you're with people or you're out or, or whatever. So then you've got to just quickly like uh, put in your, in your phone and just go, put this little <laughs> phrase into your phone. <laughs> I, like I, I got like, a ho- I've got so many in here. Like, um, 
the, like the one time I was at, at home and my wife's just saying to my son, she, she goes, you're in the way, you're in the way, you're in the way. Because he was like just hovering about. I was like, that is such a cool line. You're in the way, you're in the way, you're in the way, you're in the way. That's like a, you know, that's a, that's a, like a fuzzy song right there. Yeah. So it's like cool. So I'd like put that one down. So that, that kind of, that's one way of approaching it. And the other way is, is having the guitar and, and just kind of mumbling kind of random words over nice kind of interesting chord structures mm-hmm. and then trying to make it fit, you know, and trying to work it like that. Because one thing I've learned is that you don't, I mean, it's great to have meaningful lyrics, but they don't have to be. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they just have to convey an idea or uh, somehow uh, have some kind of uh, like, yeah, it's, it's, I think it's about an idea. Mm-hmm. It's almost like, Art is like that. Hey, it's like it can do more than say more than words, and, but it can do. <laughs> yeah, there's, you know, there's it's something else that comes with it. So that's why, like you know, certain chords can have a certain, you know, minor chords can have a certain feeling about them. Yeah, absolutely. So, and then listening to a lot of stuff. So yeah, that's basically my two approaches. And then and then I got into, you know, got the logic. On, on the on the MacBook, and then you know that's 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 a that's a scary. You think it's a good thing, <laughs> <laughs> but all you end up doing is uh, trying out every different conceivable sound, playing synthesizers, running drum loops, and, and not doing any of the stuff that you were <laughs> going to record because there's just so much cool creativity and space to go there. So um, so then I was like, uh, oh, now I can do that that song that like you know pop song from the 80s let me try and write one you know so that's that's where i'm at the moment just trying to do some really random stuff and realizing that i, I need to kind of write the song before i go to the recorded absolutely <laughs> and anybody any producer or engineer in any something was like that's the way to do it you know write the song and then record it <laughs> and that's basically with an acoustic guitar that's the way get away with acoustic guitar away from distractions yeah, and just have a pen and paper because it's a guitar and it's such a simple thing and it's just basically how it begins. And I, everybody's different here and I know that I'm a particularly emotional songwriter. I often yeah. write when I feel emotional. Yeah, yeah, Do you ever write from that place? You don't want to be in a happy place. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> no, even emotionally happy. <laughs> that's I mean. cool. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> no, it's true. Some, it's, it's a good point. It's like, it's a great way to uh, release demons or something. Mm. Hey, like, you know, instead of You've got something you just go and write about it it's definitely a place but the only problem with is is if i didn't want every song to start sounding like my sad whiny life yes. when it's not so sad and whiny yeah you know because there's a kind of a problem that can happen there and it's like come on like really dude yeah yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and we also like say with um had the with Limbiscuit, I had this joke like i don't want to do that i want to try you know avoid like so yeah. It, it creeps in, but it's, yeah. But I mean, most of you, I mean, none I have of a lot of stuff like that, that I don't put out. Put it that yeah. way. <laughs> I've got a whole bunch of stuff that we, we should go through sometime together. I would like After that, this, actually. Yeah, yeah, we cool. We can compare our, our songs that we'll never release. <laughs> Gosh, I've, I've started to have to temper that sort of stuff to save relationships. <laughs> exactly. So, okay, Little yeah. Bird. Little Bird, here. Yes. Is Bill's favorite song. Bill's a mutual friend of ours. And he speaks about the song. I had some coffee with him this morning. Oh, did you? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I keep He's looking good. He's looking he good. He's looking so good. <laughs> I <know. laughs> uh, so, I mean, Little Bird is his favorite song. Can you talk about the song yeah, for me? Yeah, I remember. It's one of those things, you know, like you, the, your memories, you go, okay, this is, this is how it happened. And you're wondering if you've, but this is how it happened. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> I was at this, I think I, I think I met a girl and, you know, Within an hour, this was I was in love, and this is the one. And then she said, oh, "Okay, well, I've got to go. I'm, I mean, I'm flying tomorrow to the UK or something like this." And you know, I was just like, "This is heartbroken," you know. <laughs> and uh, I went home and wrote the song, you know, like oh, a little bit. And I, like, I don't even know it was kind of like <laughs> fleeting moment. But I wrote the song, and and um, went. I had this friend called Brian Little who's. He was like one of these guys that was an acid head and like he was a Grateful Dead kind of like just this real hippie guy from mm. another era. And he had he had a little unit, um, like a Tascam or something like this that you could record onto like a 
uh, dad, when I found out this, you know, he, I used to work with him basically. And I, and I said, I'm coming to your house. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he was like, okay, Jay, you know, he's kind of like, <laughs> it's a, I went right to his house. He introduced me to two things really. Well, um, one was recording on these little units and the other one was Ren and Stimpy, which is like still one of my favorites. <laughs> and he used to have this other saying, which I still think is um, sport. It's for people that don't understand music. And uh, I thought it was really funny. And I mean, I think I love I love sports, but it just it was the funniest thing to say because <laughs> I just I was like cool. Uh, so those are the things I remember, and then, and recorded a little bit there, mm. and I gave it on to to uh, Malcolm Rockwell, mm. and he he said this is a great song, and I couldn't really hear if it was a good song or not. Yeah. I just thought ah, this is a song I recorded with my friend. Uh, what are you thinking? He's like, yeah, this is a good song. Okay, if you think it's cool, so that's like basically how it came around, yeah. And it just it was a very like effortless, natural, just kind of thing of a heartbroken nineteen-year-old after meeting somebody for you know an an hour. Oh, oh my god, you're leaving me already! What's your name again? (laughs) (laughs) At least you got the song out of it. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. And uh, we used to do this thing where. Like uh, we thought we were tough, and we go, "This song's about heroin." And then we realized that's not really like that. wasn't so cool. We did it like one or two gigs, and uh, it's actually about a girl that I met in the pub. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, watching and waiting, I think is top ten albums out of this country. Thanks. Yeah. No, I absolutely adore that album. And you have um, feel like, yeah, feel the need to maybe do another one with just like a guitar and a vocal again, like you know, like it was a deliberately. Uh, like the opposite of fuzzy in the sense that it's just a guitar and a vocal mm. and one or two little things crept in on one or two songs but it was like mm. try to just keep it away it's very hard to do that because you you naturally want to just add absolutely <laughs> it's like the way of the I mean you produced my Be Brave album and um, oh, I was listening to it the other day and it is magnificent I, it, I, I, was, I was that was a great album Tori you did no, I, I mean, I was surprised. I was like, this is Jay. I mean. I loved doing that. It was so cool to be invited and to be in, the, in that space on that side of it. It was, yeah, I, I was listening particularly to that Dear John. When you're talking about adding things into a song. Oh, yes. And we have the trumpet in there. Yeah, yeah, that one, that one, it did. It's got a lot of stuff in it. As if, if there's anything, it's like, it works, but you can also take it away. Yeah. The song is good. The song is there. The structures are good, like you know. That's what's that's what's you want to try and see. There's a trump, and there's ding 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 ding, and all this stuff. We wanted something to pop off the top, you know. It Absolutely. Was, it's a, I mean, there's no, that's a great album, man. I think so. It's an emotional album. Man. It still is an emotional, exactly, but it still has the pop sensibility which you brought to that. I uh, kind of. Uh, so kind of making those accessible. I always I like the idea of like say madness where they would like sing about like real issues, but in a very accessible, easy way to get into. You know, like uh, you could sing about my house in the middle of the streets mm. and whatever, and and it's kind of very like. So to try and do that, it's it's quite cool. And so another good saying was, uh, Steve uh, Ryan uh, Skanking Daddy. He played a trumpet with Fuzzy Gish for quite a while, and he had this uh, saying was. What good's anarchy if you can't dance to it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, cool. You know, yeah. So there's definitely the pop is there. Hey, that comes from all that early pop stuff. Absolutely. And so, for, so that was kind of, I think Be Brave was really a collaboration. Um, but yes, it leads me on to the next um, theme collaboration. Mm. Have you done any songwriting collaborations with anyone? Not recently. I mean, we did those, I mean, did the Jam Sandwich collaboration, which mm. was. Um, which is cool. It was, but it was always, you know, it wasn't, it's an idea of somebody else has like, Hey, let's put Squatter Camp and Fuzzy Gish together and see what mm. happens for a TV show. And that was, it was cool. And, uh, but uh, as like thinking of anybody to collaborate with at the moment or looking for somebody, sometimes I think, ah, but I kind of, I forget about it or something. Yeah. There's no, there's no driving desire because, because I think it would be good though. Mm. And I think it would be, Something that I just also just playing with other people. There's always something to learn from somebody else. Yeah. Because you get in these little kind of your band or your little situation and and you don't get out of it. Yeah. And I mean, collaboration is where it's at. I mean, let's be. I think so. 
because everybody's a solo artist, they, they're collaborating because they need some bandmates. <laughs> yes, that's the truth. So they don't have to practice alone. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you didn't you collaborate a little bit with naming James and John Shaban? Haven't you done both yeah, of them? Yeah, I've been. Like, we actually, I did. Now that you mention it, <laughs> <laughs> I did. So John, uh, it's got the studios that he took over some studios that were called Popsicle Studios. Now mm. it's become a Sit the Folk Down studio. Yeah. Very nice studios down Cape Town. When he got them, I, I thought this is, a, you know, as he got them, I thought this is a great opportunity to go down to Cape Town and hang out with John and, and it, on the premise that I'm, I'm coming to test the studios <laughs> so I can play and you can record me and see what, it, you know, just to do some testing. And he was like, yeah, cool, Dave, come down. So, and it was cool because, you know, to get uh, let loose in a nice, really cool studio like that uh, with, with your buddy, Mm. And just record it's like wow, this is this is cool. Yeah. You know? So I went down for a weekend and, and we recorded three songs together. And now that was the beginning. When did the rugby world cup happen? Because I remember that happened while I was down there, the, the final. And rugby it was like a, yeah, I'm asking the right person. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was either the end of last year or like sometime there. Like anyway, because I remember that happened on the Saturday I was down there. So I went down, played a gig, but most importantly, we hanged down in the studio, did three songs, and now we've got, a, we've got these songs that are sitting there, and they need to be finished or mixed or something, and we have to do something with them. Or like, they're kind of sitting there. So, yeah, John would be, I mean, I think this is a good question because I need to get out of this, you know, and start, start uh, mm -hmm. now that we can uh, co collaborate uh, in person. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> with 1.5 meters between us. <laughs> I guess it's also collaboration. It involves listening. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, involves negotiating, but it's speaking. You know, but it, I mean, the the benefits could be huge. I think I don't know. It's it's just, you only have so much time. You know, this is, uh, this is true. I mean, are we going to do something sometime? Right? Yeah, we should do something. We're definitely we should, going to definitely should because we never have. Yes, we're and, definitely going to. And now you've brought it up. You have to. Now we have to. They have to yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. And then. We, well, we can collaborate on songs that nobody can ever hear. <laughs> this is my say. Yes. This is what I really not. feel about that. <laughs> <laughs> I have this this one song that I play uh, with like Psycho Killer, Death Monkey. Whatever. I don't know what the song's called, okay? But it's basically, it's a song I always uh, introduce it as, this is a song we'll never record, but we're going to play it now. And it's like this jazz fusion song. And it's like, have you ever thought about killing other people? <laughs> have you? Have you? And then, and it's like, and then it's like, and it goes on from there into like really. And everybody's going like, this is a really like a funky little thing, thing, and but with really dark lyrics. And that's a song that I, that could be on this never released album of never yes. recorded songs to never toured places. That's another thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> have a tour T-shirt with lists of of cities in the back that nobody's really like. Has been to or knows really like really where's that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that's cool. Instead of like you know Paris, Tokyo, whatever, just have like some really <laughs> random. This reminds me now that you've taken me down this is when I was so watching and waiting. Like we had some friends that came over from Belgium, Theo and Steve, and then so me and Lucy and Theo and Steve went around on a trip around South Africa as you do with folk. Like oh, come over December and we'll take you around. And we went. Like a nice like road tripping, and I thought, cool. Let me just throw the guitar in. I'm I'm gonna just be writing, you know, songs. This is cool. I want to do this man on his own acoustic thing. And we went through uh, New Bethesda, mm. and uh, <laughs> and that's a great. Play. I mean, that, like to write. That's great to write there. Yeah, you know, it's just so. It's creepy. It is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. It's a little t town in. Is it the Karoo or mm. the Greater Karoo or the? It's it's dry yeah <laughs> it's eastern is the eastern cape yep i think so yeah i mean it's i've never slept over in new bethesda Owl house and all that exactly I'd, i mean i'd love to but i also do find, like it's there's a creepy. spooky energy <laughs> it is. Yeah. ghost towns and and these places like this there are tons of, so i don't actually know where the story began but the, this is what, the tour exactly and then we, and then I was speaking to Steve and, and they were like, dude, you need to do the obscurity tour where you play to very obscure places to little to very few people and then we record it and we put it out. Obscurity tour. <laughs> that is That's that, a good idea. I mean, I feel like that's my entire career though. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it. Obscurity tour. Yeah, I think we could do we could I wanted to yeah, it's I, we'll talk after this story. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, it's all COVID. COVID, yes. 
playing to very few Never people. Never heard of it. What is that? <laughs> <laughs> it's like the um, playing to very. I didn't do any streaming gigs. Mm-hmm. I, that was a big thing to do. Huh? Suddenly, it was mm-hmm. a thing. I mean, I don't rely just on music for uh, revenue. I think if you're an artist, purely relying on performances and it's been a hard time. It's been a hard time, man. <laughs> yeah, streaming. Let's do it because yeah, I think so. For me, lockdown was actually very therapeutic mm. in a sense that I didn't feel I had to do anything so I just felt like I could just collect myself yeah and just yeah. <laughs> my situation was nice mm. which helps a lot a lot yeah if you're in a small space and on your own or in a foreign place I mean that would be that would be, that'd be tough yeah so you know, I think it's been different for different people. And luckily, I could still earn with my other work that I do. So it's fine. Mm. So I didn't feel the urge to do the streaming thing. And yeah. everybody in the family is healthy. I was going to like write an album. <laughs> <laughs> yes, of course you were. And then I went and looked, opened up Logic and, oh, look at this and look at this. And, wow, look at this. And what's this beat? This is an interesting beat. Oh, I'm sure I could do something with that. And then trying to do it and going, Duh, I definitely don't know how to work this. Okay, <laughs> like whatever. <laughs> that was, And then a lot of DIY, you know. Yeah. It's kind of weird. You're kind of watching something happening out there through a TV or you're listening to it or something. So band rehearsals? Yeah, we had some, so Ramming Bones, we had some kind of Zoom chats. <laughs> first, so you know how it starts there. So the first like Wednesday, because we always get, we get together on Wednesday and it was, as I say, it's therapy. <laughs> so, and then we're like, okay, let's do a Zoom chat. And But, you know, you talk for an hour and then it's okay, cool. And then the next Wednesday we did one and then the following one we're like, ah, I can't make this one. Can we do the following one? Eric was trying to do something where we all perform, but not together, and then we roll it over, and then you put them. And it was just like it, it, he was really motivated, and the rest of the band was kind of going, "Yeah, yeah." And then in, in the end, I think he just said, "Well, you know, I give up on you guys." Yeah. <laughs> I'm not gonna like kill myself trying to get you guys to. The way he was explaining, it, I was like, "So what you want to do is, I would record." And then I'd send it on to Eric and then he'd put the bass on and then put it all together then, but not allowed to like kind of redo it, you know? It's kind of yeah. like, it's got to have a bit of a live feeling. So yeah. there, there was intention. <laughs> we have had a band hang out since then. We got together, we didn't jam, we just hanged out. We yeah. like, yeah, cool. And I think also, sometimes it's good to just take a break from this stuff, man. You don't realize it. Yeah. And now I'm actually starting to get really into writing songs again. <laughs> like, oh, oh This is cool, yeah, wow. Songs are cool. <laughs> That's so exciting. I can't wait it to hear. It is nice. Yeah. It's nice. It's just if you can complete them, you know. There's a lot of half-baked songs and that's the, the trickiest part. Because for like a lot of the time, the music, I can hear the music, but the lyric, it has to be relevant or be, oh, that's a cool song. I say, oh, but they don't have lyrics for it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Okay, it's instrumental. Yeah. <laughs> that is really what it's about. It's the narrative of the song. It's like everything, you know, the idea of it. Like, mm-hmm. What's the idea? And the context, like, then it makes sense. And then it could be relevant to the relevancy. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and that can be anything. It can be funny or whatever. Started writing a bunch of songs. It got a little bit psychedelic along the way. <laughs> Started realizing that I might be watching too many bands of a certain genre. So, yeah, at the moment, there's, there's a bunch of songs with, with rambling bones, but they're all over. So it's kind of like, you know, is that a good thing? I don't know. Yeah. See what happens. We'll see Absolutely. what happens. It's cool. At some point, gigs will happen again. Hopefully, yeah. Yeah. Do you think? When do you think this? <laughs> you know, do you have a date? <laughs> <laughs> okay, industry challenges. Yeah. Attendance at shows in South Africa is pretty bad. The, the venues are kind of strange in a way that there's bar venues or like kind of a pool hall with a little thing in the corner for like, there's not really like to a venue venues mm. and whether that's going to find them or need to be more proactive or whatever, I don't know. But yeah, you know what I mean? Like to go and watch an artist and to sit and watch them and it's like a it, it's you have to set that up yeah there's not like an actual space for that i remember playing the scout hall uh, with you yeah two australians and the yes and uh laurie and and that kind of thing you know what i mean like that's in a scout hall so there's not like a, a venue venue cape town's got some good venues but hopefully they'll still be around oh, as well I know. because this uh if you're in that industry as well pandemic's been tough yeah so it all kind of comes around. Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, fuzzy guess we just realized that we have to turn up everything louder than anything else. Yeah. <laughs> and just, you know, repeat the chorus and then they'll get it. <laughs> Do you think that COVID has changed anything about our live music scene that will stick? 
I sang to Bill today, and, and then we were like, he wants to put on a fuzzy gig. Uh, we could stream it as well in a way. So maybe the streaming thing like of a live gig, but that's been happening before COVID anyway. So I actually don't know. Mm -hmm. I've got no idea. I think maybe it's been a very creative. Maybe people have been using the time to be very creative, hopefully. Yeah. But it's kind of hard to sometimes, some people can be creative on their own. And some people need interaction to be creative. You know what I mean? Totally. And that's to find that place. But artists are generally, that is self-obsessed people so you know we all like <laughs> this is the truth again do not tell my husband that <laughs> through it all yeah what makes you keep creating it's changed over time eh? i think there's still a magic in music i still see magic and i still feel a magic when i hear something i really love and i still have those moments mm. still i'm still listening to music i've been listening to a lot more music now actually and that's one thing that was also good is i've got headphones and basically bluetooth headphones and you, and you can just do some kind of physical thing outside, but still listening to music. And I love that because, you know, you used to listen to it in your car or commuting or something. Mm. You need that time where you can listen to music. If you're not listening to music anymore or seeing what music, because that's, you have to be kind of still in love with music because it's, it's not an easy thing, you know, easy. like it can be really hard. It can be gutting, mm. but I think not necessarily chasing success, which is, is a whole different ball game which keep you on your toes and drive you crazy, but in a different way, yeah. So luckily with the bands I've had and, and done, you know, okay and fine and get people there and people like to watch it and buy stuff and it keeps on going and I enjoy it. It's therapy. <laughs> Actually, I want to read something from your fuzzy bio because I want you to elaborate on something for me that I, w I read it and I was like, this is the point. This is the whole point of everything. <laughs> The commercial route is not necessary for the success of a band. In fact, the commercial route is usually the death of bands. In an age of more culture, quick fixes, and disposable playlisted pop music, Fuzzy Gisha here to serve as a reminder that people in this world still seek and support good, honest rock and roll. I don't know who wrote that, but there's another <laughs> true. I think that's another reason why I like to play music is, is because it's easier to communicate that way. Yeah. And it helps me communicate talking is not always the, the easiest and so yeah i get those ideas out there and you know it's like when you hear something that when you go beyond the chords and the and it's not really about what they're playing or what they're playing it with or whatever it's just the place it takes you to mm. you know that's a great thing that's why i like um, music can come in so many different forms from very complicated technical to really simplistic and it all has a kind of same effect mm. which is quite amazing because i mean as babies, we like the first thing we respond to is like coos and it's like kind of musical, you know. Mm. It's really like a rooted in us. It's a way that that we can communicate and helps helps us communicate really complex emotions, I guess. And that's what I like in our music. And and I also love this the marriage of art and a mathematical kind of science because you've got this kind of very structured approach to it, and then there's a whole very emotional. So it's these two worlds colliding. So nice. <laughs> it's so I never thought about it that way. It's, it's so nice. Yeah, it's it's great. <laughs> it's a, it's definitely it's like you're you know the left and the right just trying to work together. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually what's so exciting about talking to different artists on the show is hearing the different ways that people see it and approach it. It makes yeah. everything feel perfect. Everyone's way is perfect. Yeah, we're in, also we're in a kind of a really like creative space. It's like, you know, from when I came from this place where everybody had long hair and, and was in a metal band mm. to a place now where it's totally not like that at all. And it's great that you're in this place because like that's, you know, music uh, shouldn't be, there shouldn't be genders and there shouldn't be genres, you know, yeah. it should be just fluid music. Absolutely <laughs> fluid music, I'm in. <laughs> I'm musically fluid. <laughs> A song that you'd wish that you'd written. There's a lot of songs that I wish I'd written. Uh, Bob Marley, Kaya, I love that album. <laughs> like it's, for me, it's like a perfect album. The whole album is, is really amazing. Mm. I love the way it's recorded. And I just love everything about the album. The Wailers, I love the bass, I love everything. And so I was listening to it today and I can remember listening to it when I was in high school, doing my homework or something. Mm. It's a great album for me when feeling a little bit, uh, and this music's that, like this is just, it's a great place to be. I'm going with the album, not a song, sorry. Wonderful. <laughs> Uh, do you have a wish list collaboration that you would like to? It doesn't have to be a songwriting collaboration. Mm. It can be a just a performing one as well. I think I'm not in the collaborating 
frame of mind at the moment because I've been in an isolation <laughs> cabin in the woods kind of guy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so now in light of everything we've spoken about above from the challenging stuff to the great stuff to the wonderful stuff to the business stuff to the hard stuff to all of that, what advice would you give young indie artists? When you go to Europe, don't go for seven weeks. Okay, just go for three, make it three, maybe two, just that. your first tour should be short. Um, make sure you're, if you're going to be in a band or, or duo or whatever, like some kind of collection, make sure you get along with the people. If there's two people and the one is slightly better, but you don't know whether you get along with them, go with the other one. <laughs> in the long run. Uh -huh. I mean, because, you know, these things, your guts, you know, I don't know. I used to always give advice to bands, go record something, just record. When you've got a few songs, record. Because mm. otherwise... You don't know what's going to happen. Fuzzy Gish could have carried on or could it not, but at least I would have said, hey, I recorded this thing. Yeah. So that would be my advice, record something. Because also that's the way, I mean, we did a lot of recordings before we did something that we liked. Exactly. <laughs> and I'm not saying that it was purely because we were bad. <laughs> or some rubbish. But there was that part of it as well. But yeah, we had to find a space that we were comfortable in and recorded. And then when you record, you capture that moment, that time. I mean, music just carries with it such nostalgia. I didn't realize that, it, you know, now I know what my dad used to like sometimes like, listen to this. They don't make music like this is the bit. This is, oh, my son, I feel so sorry for you. And I'm like, dad, like, you know, there are still some good songs out there, dad. <laughs> but, you know, he's a nostalgia that's attached to that time and place yeah. where he listened to that and it can take him right back there. Like music is such a cool way to take you back to a moment or a space. or, And so I see that a lot of, now. I, I see a lot of guys that are on the outside that are back there 18 again. On the outside. Yeah, and the guy on stage is also 18 again. <laughs> yeah, so that's why it's important to record because then you're going to capture that moment. And when you listen to that recording, man, you're going to be like, hey, I remember doing that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so anybody who wants to hear your music or get in touch with you about gigs. <laughs> gigs, yeah. Instagram. <laughs> yes, give us your social media. I'm not like huge on the social, but I do go uh, Instagram. Is I am Jay Bones. And then there is a Facebook page, but I... <laughs> looking at somebody else maybe like uh, somebody else in the band i don't know i haven't been going to the fb lately you know what i'm saying mm -hmm. otherwise uh, just send me an email jp at digitalbone.ca that's that'll be cool wonderful and um the music's available on uh, these spotify's and all that stuff go check it out <laughs> yay thank Bye. you so much for coming so excited to be here and thanks so much for inviting me Oh, <laughs> if you are an indie artist whose passion for what you do can inspire or fuel others, get in touch. I'd love to chat. You can find me on Instagram at ShotgunTory. I've seen the world a thousand times and lived a thousand different lives. And still I get confused as to what I'm supposed to do. I feel I've walked this path before. And now I'm walking it once more Maybe the trick is not to see Close your eyes and make believe And sometimes I want to let you know That I love you And I need you But I feel I need to keep control Of everything And it wears me down inside and if you want to grow at all if you want to feel this world if you want to know a way all you gotta do is play all you gotta do is play jump around and make a noise Flip with all the silly boys I whistle at the flowers and trees Paint faces on your knees Believe the change you want to live Create the luck you want to give Make eyes at all the girls You turn those bullets into pearls And sometimes I feel the world's just full of Hypocrisy and bureaucracy And I know It's fear that makes us lazy And we hide away Afraid of everything And if you want to grow at all 
If you wanna feel this world, you wanna know a way. All you gotta do is play. All you gotta do is play. So let's play. Listening to another production from Solid Gold Podcasts.